you're anything like me, when the calendar turns to December, you brace yourself because you know that the next three and a half to four weeks will be a frantic pace filled with a lot of fun, parties, concerts, festivities, and also a lot of stress, putting everything where it needs to go, getting everywhere that you need to go, wrapping everything that needs to be wrapped, making all the food that needs to be made, finishing all the year-end business at work that needs to be finished. It's a bit nonstop from Thanksgiving until now. And so there is something serene about Christmas Eve, not only in what we celebrate, but in the very fact that you've made it. You made it to Christmas. And this service is always a celebration of that. In many ways, it's the first time you probably are able to breathe. And so tonight, I want us to take collectively a deep breath to breathe and to pause and to remember why it is that we have come to put away for a while what will take place tonight and what will take place tomorrow and even in the rest of this week and to focus on that true meaning of Christmas. If you've been with us during our Advent series, then you know that we have been taking a look at a series that we have been calling The Complete Christmas. We have shown that we have a complete Christmas not because of all that Christmas is or will be, not because of all the trappings and traditions of Christmas, but because Christmas is complete because we have a complete Christ. And so tonight I want to do the same. And I want to look at the wise men, what they came to do and what they came and saw and what it is that they were seeking. It is a story that is very familiar to us, but I want us to look at that which they were looking at, to search for that which they were searching for, in search of the Christ child. These wise men of Orient and Ar that traveled so far, there is not much that is known about them. We don't know how many there were. Traditionally, there has always been three. The scriptures do not number them as three. We know that they are from the east, but we don't know exactly from where in the east. We don't know how it is that they knew that that particular star meant that there was a king that was born. And so these wise men, these magi, have been and remain quite a mystery But what is not unclear is that they started off a chain reaction in Jerusalem because what they were in search of, knowing that this one was born the king of the Jews. And as we know from Matthew chapter 2, that their presence in Jerusalem caused quite a stir. It started off a chain reaction. And what I want us to look at is the responses, because it is fascinating to see what it was that this news brought to them. Tonight, I want to look briefly at the reactions that this news of this newborn Christ, this newborn king, brought 
to Jerusalem. The very first reaction that we see is that of King Herod. It says that when these wise men came into town looking for this one born king of the Jews, it said Herod was disturbed and troubled, not in a good way, not in a way that wanted to know more, but rather in a troubled way, in a way that this idea, this concept, this thought of another king was a threat, a threat to his authority, a threat to his power, his way of life. You know the story. He tries to play it off. He tries to summon the wise men in the guise of appearing like he is interested so as to know more, so as to go and worship the king just like they had come to do. But we know that this was all lies. He had no desire to worship. Rather, his motivation was to destroy. We know this because when it was seen that he was duped, he became furious and sent out his execution squad to kill all those baby boys two years and under in Bethlehem. And so the very first response we hear is that this news of this king brought hostility. But we see another reaction, that of the chief priests and the scribes. Herod was ignorant of the birthplace of the Christ, but the chief priests and the scribes were not. Herod gathers them and asks them, do you know where this child is to be born? And they do know. In fact, they know exactly and seemingly without much trouble at all. It doesn't say that they had to search or they had to examine. Rather, it says that Herod asked, and they responded and told him in Bethlehem of Judea. And how is it that they knew this? Because as they go on, they said, it was written by the prophets. That is what the scriptures told us. That is what the Bible told us, that this would be the place. And they even quote the exact prophecy, that of Micah 5, 2. In other words, they knew the Bible. They supposedly even believed the Bible to be true. Enough to believe that this was not just words spoken by Micah long ago, but that this would truly come into fulfillment. And yet what is incredible is that in the light of this news, in light of knowing that this king was born, and even knowing the place where he was born, they do Nothing. They do nothing. They are not moved by it. They make no steps. They make no action plans. They make no change in direction. Their lives do not change. Rather, their response is indifference. They do not say to the wise men, let us go with you to see this thing that has been told of us. They do not join in the search They know it all, and yet it makes no impact. It makes no difference. They are, in fact, indifferent. That is the second response. But then we see the third, and that is, of course, the wise men themselves. You might fault them for not knowing the political situation like they should have going into Jerusalem, coming with talk of this newborn king, especially with this narcissistic and 
neurotic King Herod on the throne, but you cannot fault them for their eagerness. Their response is one of eager pursuits. In fact, they go into Jerusalem thinking everyone should know, and perhaps even perhaps a little perplexed on why everyone does not know why they came this long, long way. They've come on this long journey, and yet it seems that they are the only ones that know. And the very people that live there, that are Jews, that are living in Jerusalem, do not know. It would be like people coming from out of town here to Atlanta and talking to someone that lives here and say, so the Atlanta Braves, world champions, that's pretty amazing, huh? And the person from Atlanta going, who? What? I don't know what you talk about. And people going, what do you mean you don't know what you're talking about? This is the Atlanta Braves, they're world champions. It hasn't happened since 1995, this is a big deal and getting nothing but a shrug of shoulders. So too here, as they come, where is he that is born king of the Jews and getting these blank stares? And with that question comes a greater question, the underlying question perhaps on their hearts and on their minds, asking, why are you not searching for him Two, that is the question, isn't it? That is the question that rings through the corridors of time and comes to us this day. Are you searching? If so, how and in what way? What do you do with such news that has been delivered to you this day, just like the news was delivered to Jerusalem on that day from the lips of the wise men? I tell you that as this news goes forth, the responses today are very much like the responses then. There are those that will outright reject such news and even do so with such hostility. They will reject it just like King Herod rejected it. Why? Because such news of a king threatens one's way of life of doing what I want, how I want to do it. It threatens my autonomy. If Jesus is king, then I am not king, and that thought is too much. If Jesus is the ruler of the entire earth, then he is also the ruler of me. And for some, those are fighting words. Perhaps, maybe even for you. Don't tell me that I'm not in charge. I do what I want, when I want, and how I want to do it. Do you see that there is still anger and hostility of the news of a newborn king today? Perhaps that is your response. Why? Because you've spent your life building your life the way you want it. And this news threatens to undermine it. Let me ask you tonight, are you satisfied with your life? Yes, you may be the king or queen of your kingdom. But does your life, does your little kingdom bring you satisfaction? No, it doesn't. 
I'll tell you the answer. It doesn't because it cannot. It was never meant to. And let me also tell you tonight that even if you reject this Christ child, if you leave this night still with that anger, still with that hostility, it changes not the reality. Jesus Christ is still the King of kings and Lord of lords. Every knee will bow down. Every tongue will confess him Lord. And so tonight, I ask you to respond in a different way. Respond by coming willingly, acknowledging that he is the Lord, that he is your Lord. And as such, he is a benevolent and gracious Lord. Surrender to him and surrender unto true satisfaction, unto true contentment, the way that is right, the way that is good. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you do not follow Jesus, that is your life. Your life has been stolen from you, and you have allowed it to happen. But Jesus goes on to say, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Surrender your life that was never your own anyway to him. Lay down your arms, lay down your hostility, lay down your anger. Realize this day that your life is built on sand. But Jesus this night offers you a new start to build upon the rock that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps that is you tonight. I would ask you, I would plead with you to come to Christ as your king and as your Lord. But maybe there's others of you that there is not hostility, there's not anger. Maybe you even like the idea of Christmas and all that goes with it, of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. It all just kind of goes together like Christmas trees and Christmas lights and eggnog. It's part of the package deal. And you hear the scriptures like they were read tonight. You know the all-together familiar Christmas songs. And you come this night because, well, well, Christmas just wouldn't be complete if you didn't go to church. But that is about it. Again, not hostility, but perhaps indifference. Much like the chief priests and the scribes, you're not moved other than by sentimentality of the sights and the sounds of this season, but there is no change. There is no action. You hear the scriptures, but you have no response. You sing the songs, but it does not affect the hearts. Yes, you've heard them before, and you'll hear them next year, and you'll hear them the year after, but there is no stirring. There's no meditation. There's no coming to Christ and treasuring these things up in your heart. This is just a part of the tradition. If that is you tonight, then I plead with you just as much that you too are missing out on the true meaning of Christmas. See, Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. There is no middle ground. And if you come and are not moved tonight that this is your Christ that this is your Lord 
and this deserves your all, then you are not with Christ. You might think that you are. You might say, hi, I give assent to this whole Christmas thing. I'm even here, ain't I? But if it does not drive you to a greater pursuit, a greater search, then you've missed the point of Christmas. Just like those in Jerusalem and Israel, it's become all too familiar. And you've become all together too comfortable. A laissez-faire attitude when it comes to Christ. Oh, yes. Yes, I know all there is about Christ, but he just stays kind of out there. If that is you, then you too need to awake from your slumber to be asked once again by the wise men, where is he that is born king of the Jews? And are you in search of him? And I hope you are. The good news tonight is that we need not go to Bethlehem. No, Christ is here with us. His presence is given to you this night. And so will you come in faith? Will you come eagerly pursuing? Just like the wise men did. Putting away your bitter hostility. Putting away your indifference. And coming to worship the king. And if that is so, then there are two actions that are required of you this night. Two things that you must do before you leave in order for your Christmas to be complete. The first is that you would come and worship. Truly worship. That is exactly what the wise men did, wasn't it? When they saw the stars, it says they rejoiced greatly. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down. And worshipped him. Do you notice the order? They didn't see Mary and the child. It says they saw the child with his mother, Mary. Their focus was on the Christ child. It is he that they worshipped. This news of Christ's birth should also lead us to worship and to do so with great joy. Why? Because this is the Savior. The long-awaited one in which human history is fulfilled. The God-man that brings redemption. The Christ that saves our souls. How can we not rejoice? How can we not be glad? How can we not worship this night? Come with the wise men. Fall to your knees and worship in adoration of this newborn king and come bringing gifts just like they brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh but those were just tokens of a greater gift they were giving of themselves they were devoting themselves to this newborn king and so must we give of ourselves in humble adoration in what Paul calls your spiritual act of worship, presenting yourself to God. If you are truly seeking Christ, that is what is needed this night. Worship and dedication to him. If that is true, then the second thing will naturally follow. And the second thing that is needed is a change of life direction the very end of this story 
It says that they departed to their own country by another way. Now we know why they went another way, so as not to alert Herod, but isn't there something symbolic in the way that they came is not the same way in which they left. And the same is true for us. The way that brought you to Jesus to come to worship and to adore should not be the same way in which you also leave. You cannot leave in the same way that brought you there. Why? Because your life is changed. The path that leads to understanding your sin and need for a Savior, you cannot go back to that same life. That life is over. That life is done. There's now a new change in direction, a new trajectory of your life. Meaning that once you have seen the Christ, you cannot unsee him. Once your life has seen what he has done for you, you cannot continue in that same path that brought you there. It alters your life. It alters your ever afters. When you come in faith, when you come in worship, it changes everything. Is that true of you this night? Will it be true of you? Again, we are delighted that you are here. We're delighted that you have come. We're delighted that you have set your mind upon Christ this night and perhaps even tomorrow, but will you set your mind and your life upon him the next day and the next and the next week and the next Sunday and the Sunday after that? Do you see how this Christ changes the way in which you live the entirety of your life? I tell you, he deserves nothing less. Friends, are you seeking Christ? It's the only way for Christmas to be complete is to be complete in Christ. And we have a complete Christ that completely saves those that come to him. And so may this night, your search, your pursuit to know the Savior lead to greater worship, devotion, and yes, even obedience of him until we would come and see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords face to face. So it is in Christ and in Christ alone that we can have a very merry Christmas and a blessed new year. Join me in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do desire to come and see the King. See this one that is not only just born King of the Jews, but that is born King of all of us. And Lord, we want to come and worship. We want to come and present our lives before him this night, giving that which we only are able to give, which is the whole of ourselves. Would we come to worship and adore? And would we go forth this night living in a different way? Because indeed we have seen the King of kings and Lord of lords. We pray this all in the name of Christ, Emmanuel.
Amen.